Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. And your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. Twitter at Locked On Bulls, at Jordan C. Malley, and at Bulls underscore Peck. People have their opinion. What other falsehoods are out there? A lot of the perception things about us. Are players buying in, Jim? I, yes. Fair enough. Rebuilds are difficult. Sometimes it takes years and years. I still believe, given a a really good offseason with this draft pick that we have coming and with our ability to to get some veteran players in here alongside these young guys, we we can make a substantial leap. Kick back. Relax. Locked on Bulls starts now. My job is to prepare the child for the road, not the road for the child. And these guys are men. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Matt Peck, also host of Bulls Outsiders on NBC Sports Chicago. You can follow me on social media, Twitter at Bulls underscore Peck, uh, at Meat Peck, M-E-A-T-P-E-C-K on Instagram. You can follow my co-host Jordan Malley on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, and you can follow us at Locked On Bulls on both Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Locked On Shy Bulls, C-H-I Bulls. And, of course, that text and voicemail line always there for you, 331-979-1369. All of your Bulls' thoughts, questions, comments as we get closer and closer to the season tip-off on October 23rd. we got four more preseason games on deck, including against the New Orleans Pelicans at Zion Williamson tonight. Can't wait to watch that one. As we're getting underway on today's show, just wanted to mention to all of you hockey fans out there that the time has finally arrived and we have hockey as part of our Locked On Podcast Network family and part of our Locked On Chicago family. Later on in today's podcast, we'll have a special NHL season preview for you from Locked On Blackhawks. Super excited about Locked On's newest podcast covering the NHL your host, Jay Zawoski, one of the best in the business when it comes to having inside info and all the best scoops regarding your Blackhawks. So if you're a hockey fan, a Blackhawks fan, in addition to a Bulls fan, stay tuned at the end of today's episode for a sneak, pre- sneak peek season preview from the brand new Locked on Blackhawks. So as I said, I'm Matt Peck. My co-host Jordan Malley off again today. Hopefully we'll get him back on Thursday or Friday. But today is Wednesday, and you know what that means. It's mailbag time, baby. Again, that number, 331-979-1369 for all of your texts and voicemails. Hopefully Jordan and I can get to some of those voicemails later in the week. I'm going to be taking just text messages today because we have a bunch of them. I will try to get through as many as I can. Before we get to those texts in our mailbag portion of the show, just a couple of newsworthy notes um, in case you haven't seen them yet. So I mentioned Bulls have their second preseason game tonight, Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central Time tip off against the Pelicans. Zion Williamson will be in the building and he will be active. Uh, sounds like they're not sure how many minutes he will play in tonight's game, but boy, if you saw him play in the Pelicans' first preseason game, He's fun to watch, just as 
electric and powerful as advertised, threw down some monstrous dunks in their previous preseason game. Can't wait to see what Zion does at the United Center floor tonight. And then as for our Bulls, we have a couple of notes already. Earlier today, Casey Johnson, insider for NBC Sports Chicago, tweeting that Tomas Sadoransky will get the start at point guard tonight, uh, replacing Chris Dunn, the incumbent who started their first preseason game against Milwaukee on Monday. We also heard from Jim Boylan that there is a chance that Wendell Carter Jr. plays a few minutes tonight. Wendell Carter Jr., of course, had that mild ankle sprain the first day of training camp practice, which doesn't appear to be an issue any longer. What has been keeping him off the court is a tailbone bruise that he suffered later in that first week of training camp practices. Boylan made some comments about how it hasn't been healing as soon as they'd uh, hoped and that there was some some lingering pain there. I think he called it a deep bruise uh, on, on Wendell's tailbone, and that's why they've been cautiously holding him out of practices and, uh, and uh, of their first preseason game. But it sounds like we might, 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 might see Wendell on the court tonight against New Orleans. So cross your fingers, hopefully... That is a good sign, and even if we don't, even if he's a game-time decision tonight, hopefully that means that Wendell is moving in the right direction with that tailbone, tailbone bruise and should be available by opening night, October 23rd, even if he does sit out this whole preseason for cautious reasons. So, with that, all of our Bulls news and notes up to date, let's dive in to our text and voicemail line. This one comes to us from Jack in uh, Jack at Indiana State. Hey guys, how exciting do you think the Pelicans will be this year? Do you think they'll win more games than the Bulls by the end of the season? I know the Pelicans need to develop as a team, but I think people still forget they have Holiday. Love the podcast. Look forward to it every day. Thanks for checking in, Jack. That text is actually a little bit older, but one we hadn't gotten to. And because we're playing the Pelicans tonight, I figured I would address it. So I think if the Pelicans were in the Eastern Conference, they would be almost a lock to be a playoff team. I think they would be ahead of where the Bulls are in the East. Because they are in the West and there are just so many talented teams in that conference... I'm not pegging the Pelicans as a lock to be a playoff team this season. I do think that they are loaded with young, exciting talent. As Jack mentioned, they do have the better of the holidays. Uh, Drew Holiday, I think, was a really solid addition for them. They also, you know, low-key brought in J.J. Redick, who's going to be a really solid, you know, wing and three-point shooter, in addition to being a solid veteran for that very young team. You know, they added Lonzo and Ingram in that Lakers trade, um, sending away AD. And, of course, Zion Williamson, the big, exciting, number one overall pick that everybody in the NBA can't wait to watch play this season. I think that the Pelicans and Bulls will be in the same realm of middling but not quite good enough teams this season. End of day, I'm not ready to say the Pelicans will have more wins than the Bulls because, as I said, they are playing in a much tougher conference than the Bulls. I think that the Pelicans could be just under a 500 team. If they overachieve greatly, in my opinion, then maybe they could 
be slightly above 500. But again, in the West, usually even being 41 and 41, 42 and 40, is not good enough to get you into the playoffs. Um, so if pressed, I would say I have the Bulls pegged around 37 wins this season. And I think that the Pelicans are probably going to be in that same 35 to 40 range. I think the Bulls and Pelicans will end up having similar records this year. If pressed to pick one over the other, my guess would be that the Pelicans have more wins than the Bulls. I hope I'm wrong, but that would be my guess. Really excited to see both of these young teams take the court against each other tonight. Thanks for checking in, Jack. So uh, this one is from David in Virginia. Which would you rather see? The Bulls having a representative in the All-Star game or the Bulls making the playoffs? You can only choose one. This is a really good hypothetical and a really good would you rather. Because the first time I read it, I was like, man, I don't know how to answer that. I really want to say both, but I'm not allowed to. I think, and I'm, I'm maybe this is a bit of a, a cheating answer or like a, a cheapskate like loophole kind of answer. But I'm going to say that I would rather see the Bulls make the playoffs. And I think I would I think I'm more expecting to see an all-star on this roster this season than I am to see the Bulls make the playoffs. I think that even if the Bulls fall short of the playoffs, if they're a more watchable, more respectable team and Zach Levine builds on what he did last year, Zach Levine will be representing the Bulls in the All-Star game. I believe that that is a very likely possibility this season. More likely than the Bulls getting enough wins to sneak into the playoffs, even in the weak Eastern Conference. However, I'm going to say, if I can only choose one, I'm going to choose that the Bulls make the playoffs. And if the Bulls make the playoffs without having an all-star on their roster, it could very well mean that Zach Levine and and Lowry Markkinen both have all-star caliber numbers or close to all-star caliber numbers, and their votes cancel each other out. That's my sneaky, cheaty way of answering that question. Again, I think one all-star and zero playoff games is the more likely outcome for the Bulls this season. But if you're giving me the option, I'd say, hell yeah. Maybe Zach doesn't get the all-star game because Lowry steals some of his votes. Because Lowry, in his own right, looks kind of like an all-star this season. I would be happy with that. And I would be thrilled if this team makes the playoffs in the third year of their rebuild. It would be a gigantic leap from an awful 22-win season last year. Thanks for checking in, David. All right, just before we get to our next text message, wanted to mention that today's show is brought to you in part by Indochino. Indochino, the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now. With $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more, at Indochino.com when entering the promo code LOCKED ON at checkout. That's promo code, all caps, LOCKED ON at checkout for $30 off your order. Okay, moving along to the next text message. So, this one is uh, a little fiery, but I know it's something that a lot of Bulls fans are interested in. And by interested in, I mean angry about because we've gotten a lot of them in our inbox since the first day of training camp when we got some injuries cropping up. So this was certainly the most fiery of them all. So this is the one I'm going to go with. This is from uh, Christian in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hey, guys, love the show. 
Only the Bulls. Wendell, a sprained ankle. Gafford, a hyperextended elbow on the first day of practice. It's time for the Bulls to, all caps, clean house on this quote-unquote medical-slash-training staff. These so-called professionals aren't teaching players the correct way to stretch and work out. The medical staff misdiagnosed players and injuries and illnesses. You had Valentine with the ankle, Luol Dang, the meningitis, the spinal tap that was near fatal. How many injuries does this team have to suffer until this front office and management realizes this? If I was a Bulls player, I wouldn't trust this staff. If I was a free agent, I wouldn't want to play for this team. I'd seriously fear for my career. Uh, Matt, please ask Pax or Gar about the need for a new medical or training staff based on the long history of injuries with this team the next time you have an opportunity. Uh, thank you, Christian. Well, first off, off the bat, I'm not allowed to talk to Pax and or Gar. They don't let me do that. <laughs> I may have been allowed inside the building at media day. I am not allowed to talk to Pax or Gar, which I think is for the best uh, for the future of my career and uh, and basically just everyone in and around that facility. Um, I don't know what I would say to them if given the opportunity, but I do know it would be hard to contain my boiling rage. But so, no, unfortunately, I can't ask them this directly. But I do know that in recent years, they have been asked that question. And Paxson specifically has come to bat repeatedly for their training, strength and conditioning, and medical staff. Repeatedly. And of course, we all know how obsessed they are with the phrase, you know, in our building. Our players stay in our building. They have everything at their disposal. Top of the line uh, equipment and of course the you know the, the best possible staff to keep them healthy or get them healthy if they aren't healthy and we repeatedly see Bulls players getting injured doing something in their building so I know that that drives the fan base crazy certainly drives me crazy a little bit too you know and, and you know so this uh, this text is a little bit older I think it was sort of like immediate reaction when the news first broke about Wendell and Gafford's injuries Fortunately, Gafford's elbow turned out to be minor, and boy, did we all love seeing him play Monday night in his first preseason action. Wendell's ankle turned out to not be a big issue, but Wendell does now have this tailbone issue that I was just talking about earlier in today's show. So, I mean, when it comes to the track record, and then, of course, the, the examples given, Luol Dang being, I think, the, the most egregious of them all. But even some of the things, yes, of course, Denzel and his, it started out day-to-day, and then he ended up sitting on the shelf all 82 games last season. That's not a good look either. To me, the other thing that I think the Bulls bear a certain amount of responsibility for is the broken body of Derrick Rose. I think certainly based on the way he played stylistically with such aggressive athleticism when he was younger, injuries were bound to happen with a guy like D Rose's frame. But if you haven't read Derek's book, I'll show you, which was co-written by the legendary Sam Smith. I just about finished with it. Uh, I should definitely recommend you get yourself a copy and read it. If you haven't pretty enlightening stuff, pretty interesting. But one of the biggest takeaways I had from reading that book was Derek talking about the way he neglected his body as a young NBA player, just because he didn't know what he should be doing. The way in which he did not have a proper diet, was not paying attention to nutrition on a daily basis, was not paying attention to 
conditioning and building up his body when a lot of his more veteran teammates were doing that. Going to the gym, working out, conditioning, all of those things to make sure that their body stays shape. Derrick Rose said, I would basically just hoop. I would just go hoop. I would get up shots. Well, that's not the same thing as taking care of your body in specific ways. And as a very young kid coming into the NBA after, you know, one season at Memphis and not had it, having had those tools at his disposal before getting to the NBA level, Derek didn't know what he was doing. And it is completely on the Bulls training staff that they did not take Derek to the side and say, okay, this is what you have to do now. This is how you take care of your body. This is how you keep yourself healthy. The fact that they didn't do that and Derek admits in his book to ignoring all of those proper steps to keep yourself in peak physical condition as a professional athlete, yes, some of that is on Derek, but some of that is very much so on the Bulls organization and their strength and strength training, conditioning, and medical staff. Unacceptable oversight on their part. To me, that is one of the biggest egregious examples of them not doing their jobs properly. So, I think it was in the case of the first day of training camp this year with with Gafford and Wendell specifically, an overreaction because of the track record. And I even went to bat for those of you Bulls fans who were saying, oh my God, here we go again on Twitter because my nemesis C-Red Fred was chiding all of you for not patiently awaiting more information and assuming that everything would be fine as everything is in Fred's bubbly world of falsehoods and, and, and fiction and, 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 and rainbows. Because I was thinking to myself, oh, here we go again. Here we go again. Another injury, two, for that matter, on the first day of training camp. This team is either cursed or this medical and training staff needs to go. How is this still just a coincidence? It can't be a coincidence anymore. So... Christian in Charlotte, I hear you. 100% I hear you. But as I was saying a minute ago, unfortunately, for whatever reason, John Paxson is so convinced that his staff, whether it's Chip Schaefer, who is, you know, uh, a guy who returned big part of the strength and medical staff from the old days back in the dynasty years, when Paxson was still playing, or whether it's Jeff Tanaka, who's been around a long time himself at this point. Paxson continually, when questioned, expresses his faith in those guys. I don't know why, but Paxson appears to seem convinced that they are great at their jobs and that if Bulls players aren't in the building, that's when they put themselves at risk for getting injured. None of it makes a whole lot of sense to me, but unfortunately, as I said, I'm not allowed to ask him about it because I don't think I'm allowed to talk to them. Okay, on to the next one. This one's about the Bulls broadcast team from Rob in Las Vegas. What's up, guys? I've seen that Neil Funk is retiring at the end of this season. How do you feel about his retirement? Thanks for checking in, Rob. I think it's time. I think uh, if you read the columns that had some quotes from Neil Funk, he feels like it's time. I actually have sources that informed me 
if it were up to Neil, he would have retired a couple of seasons ago. We saw him reduce his number of road games that he was working last season. That's going to be reduced even further this season. I think he's only doing 11 of 41 road games, and the Bulls will fill in the other 30 with potential funk replacements like they did last season. Um, Adam Amin, you know, a, a Chicago product among them. So how do I feel about Funk's retirement? I'm happy for him because he wanted to retire two years ago and Jerry Reinsdorf wouldn't let him. That's what I heard. I heard that Funk wanted to be done two years ago and Jerry said, please, please, please don't retire yet because Jerry Reinsdorf loves Neil Funk. So that's the story there. Um, I think Neil Funk has also, after a brilliant broadcasting career, he's started to slow down a bit. You can kind of tell with some of his calls with play-by-play, some of his commentary along Stacey King is surface level. He's not going a whole lot deeper. Not that you necessarily want that from a play-by-play guy, which Neil is, but his commentary seems to be kind of repetitive these days. When looking back to last season and hearing his thoughts on what the Bulls were doing, whether succeeding or failing on the court, a lot of it was the same sing-songy stuff. And he also, honestly, and I'm, you know, I'm not trying to make fun of him. He's an aging guy. It, you know, I think his his mind is slipping a little bit because there were times last season when he was addressing Bulls players by the wrong names when they were involved in the play. Players who weren't on the court, but at the time sitting on the bench. And look, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody is allowed a certain amount of leeway as someone getting into live broadcasting uh, themselves. I have already made a couple of mistakes where I'll accidentally call a player by the wrong name because I misread the name or the or the jersey number. And so of course that stuff happens, but I think with Neil it's 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 been more noticeable and more prominent over the last couple of years as he gets into his his glory years. I mean as as a kid of the 90s, there are so many memories that I hold dear to my heart that are voiced by Neil Funk chief among them Jordan's final shot game six Utah 98 the Bulls lead 87 86 you know Jordan hangs fires I mean yeah I mean it's it's iconic it's an iconic moment and it's one of many that I just remember listening to Neil Funk um it's a huge part of my love for this team from from that decade and from my childhood and he is a legend, and he'll always be a Chicago sports broadcasting legend. But I think it's time. And I'm glad that he's finally getting his wish to retire. Hopefully they send him out in style um, and give him a lot, of, uh, a lot of praise and a lot of smiles and a lot of fun trips down memory lane in his final season as part of his broadcast, particularly at home at the United Center for some of those games because he certainly deserves it unlike some other retirement tours recently that we won't get into. So those are my thoughts on Neil. Happy for him. Uh, Okay, this one comes to us from the 217. Two things. Pinstripes are fire. I've been complaining about not having them for years. I agree. Jordan and I touched on the pinstripe jerseys, the statement edition jerseys in our Monday episode this week. I like them. I'm coming around on them even more. 
still think the old pinstripes with bulls instead of Chicago and red instead of whatever like silvery white color these pinstripes are are better, but these ones are pretty damn good. And two, Luke Cornett is a seven-foot Blakeney. Slightly more interested in defense, but a certified chucker. I don't know where you pulled the Cornette Blakeney player comp from, but that's a first. Gotta admit, that is the first time I have heard that player comp. Uh, I think you are perhaps a bit misguided in how much of a Blakeney level chucker Luke Cornette is. I mean, the guy likes to shoot. That's why he's on the floor on the offensive end, though. He's a seven-foot floor spacer. That's primarily his effect on the offensive end. I don't think you are going to see Luke Cornette, however, rival Blakeney's near uh, near record-setting stat last season where he nearly, upon season's completion, had more shot attempts than passes and was on pace to do so for large stretches of last season. I don't think you're going to see that kind of chucker level from Cornette this season. But fun player comp. Definitely a first. Uh, Here's one from the 815. Am I watching Felicio not look like a complete and utter moron? I mean, it's preseason, but it's still funny. That one's from Monday evening at 7.18 p.m. So that tells me that that was just a few minutes into that Bulls-Bucks game when Felicio had like a dunk and another play where he looked not completely incompetent and there was no follow-up text there from that texter when we watched Felicio play the rest of his minutes where he looked exactly like the player we know Felicio to be. It was it was fun while it lasted though. All you know, 240 seconds of Felicio not looking like a complete useless waste of space. But uh, yeah, he... He proves to be his true self as that game wore on. Although, should note, and I didn't mention that in our uh, episode, in our Bulls notes at the beginning of the episode, I mentioned Sadoransky getting the start tonight instead of Chris Dunn. I mentioned that Wendell Carter Jr. might play, according to Jim Boylan. After I started recording, we got another update with the rest of the starting lineup, which is the same. So it'll be Levine and Otto and Lowry and... Felicio. Felicio starts at center again tonight. Despite the performance we saw from Daniel Gafford on Monday. How about that? All right. One more text and then we will get out of here. And I haven't gotten to all of them. uh, And hopefully we'll get to as many of these as possible. Perhaps we'll do some additional mailbag material on Friday or perhaps Monday of next week. We'll see. Uh, but appreciate everybody who's texting in and, and calling and leaving us voicemails. We try to get to as much of this as we can, and uh, and we appreciate all of you out there who are eager and, and willing to participate in the conversation with us. We appreciate all of you guys. So this one comes to us from the 309. Hey, guys, big fan of the show. Listen every day at work. Thank you for listening. Got a question. Do the Bulls... Uh, do you think the Bulls could possibly use Sato or even Zach at the three to mask the lack of depth there? Maybe do a Kobe, Zach, Sato, Otto, Lowry lineup. Thanks, guys, and go Bulls. Thank you for checking in. And this is the one I'm finishing with because that exact lineup is one that I said to myself and to Big Dave and John while we were watching Monday night that I want to see this season. 
Our texter brings up a good point. Of course, everybody's concerned about the lack of depth at the wing behind Otto Porter Jr. We're still waiting on some more health updates from Chandler Hutchison, who honestly didn't look like a fantastic option last season. And Denzel Valentine looked good when he came out and drilled a couple of threes Monday night, and then for the rest of the night looked like a guy who had no conditioning and no legs underneath him, finishing 3 of 12 from the field and airballing some threes because his knees were toast. Getting burned, not getting back on defense because his knees were toast. So, sorry, Fred, I am not relying on Denzel. Not until I see more. Because of that, yes, I think the Bulls might be forced to use... Sadoransky at the three in some small ball lineups this season. We know because of his versatility, you could also ask Thad Young to, if not like play minutes at the three offensively, at least guard some threes on the defensive end. But I think Sadoransky at the three might be something the Bulls have to use in certain stretches this season. And this particular lineup that our texter from 309 suggests of Kobe White, Zach Levine, Sadoransky, Otto Porter Jr., and Lowry is one that I hope we see. Because to me, that lineup definitely has firepower on the offensive end. You can play fast with that lineup. Kobe and Zach in the backcourt. Letting Kobe attack, break down the defense off the dribble. Zach can do the same thing, create his own shot off the dribble. Sato, an excellent passer, high IQ basketball player. He can handle the ball as well. And then you got Otto, a legit three, a legit wing, and Lowry on top of all that, playing a small ball five. I love the sound and look of that lineup. Um, you could also perhaps do something where instead of Otto, you put Thad in there if you want to really beef up the defense uh, and try and help mask Lowry's defensive deficiencies at the five. Um, so you could swap in uh, Thad for Otto there. But other than that, I mean, yes, absolutely. Kobe, Zach, Otto, three-guard lineup plus Otto plus Lowry at the five is a lineup that I hope we see this season because, boy, would that be fun to watch. Defensively, Kobe and Zach, you know, they could uh, have some issues. We certainly saw a lot of defensive aggression and also some surprising defensive competency from Kobe White in his first preseason action Monday night. And we keep hearing about Zach making strides defensively this season. We'll see if that happens. But offensively, boy, do I like the look of that lineup. Thank you uh, to our 309 texter. Thank you to everybody who texted in uh, again, I, as I said, we'll try and get to more texts and hopefully as many of those voicemails as possible, either later this week or early next week. In the meantime, keep them coming uh, as, as you watch bulls Pelicans tonight. If you have any thoughts about that game, thoughts about the new lineups that Boylan will throw out there, including Sato getting the start at point guard tonight over Chris Dunn. Any thoughts on that? Hit us up that text and voicemail line three, three, one, nine, seven, nine, one three six nine and now as i mentioned at the top of today's show we are very excited about the launch of our newest sports channel here at the locked on network covering the nhl as you know by listening to us here at locked on bulls we feature local experts covering the biggest news and now we are covering the ice with daily hockey podcast check out the upcoming season preview for our beloved blackhawks 
from Locked On Blackhawks. Find your favorite NHL team on our website. If you aren't a Hawks fan, www.lockedonpodcast.com slash NHL. As I mentioned, the host of Locked On Blackhawks is the great and unmatched Jay Zawoski, who does a fantastic job. Uh, nobody in the city of Chicago knows more about the Blackhawks than Jay does. He's already had his ongoing uh, podcast about the Blackhawks, the Chicago Madhouse Hockey Podcast, which is still going on. He's doing the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. In addition to that, if you're already a listener of that podcast, never fear, that will continue as well. And he also does great production work at 670 The Score. Um, he also does some solid Blackhawks writing for 670 The Score's website as well. So if you are a hockey fan, if you are a Blackhawks fan, check out Locked On Blackhawks. We're so happy to have them joining our Locked On Chicago family. And without further ado, here is a season preview sneak peek of Locked On Blackhawks. Thanks for listening. For my co-host Jordan Malley, I'm Matt Peck saying be well, Bulls Nation. Enjoy the game tonight, and we'll see you next time. Locked On Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com. Hey, this is Jay Zawoski, host of Locked on Blackhawks, and welcome to my Locked on Blackhawks season preview. It's going to be a very interesting year for the Chicago Blackhawks. A lot of question marks, a lot of hope based on how last season ended. So in my mind, there are five keys to the Blackhawks season this year. Number one, they need repeat performances from Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. In case you missed it, they both had career years in 2018-2019. Taves had 35 goals and 81 points in 82 games. That's a career high. Patrick Kane scored 44 goals and 110 points. Despite that, the Hawks did not make the playoffs. I mean, if you told me before the season began that both those guys were going to have career years, I would have said playoffs 100% certainty, but it didn't happen. However, the 2019-20 Blackhawks, the roster, at least on paper, is significantly improved. But if either of these two stars, Jonathan Taves or Patrick Kane, have a significant drop-off, it might just offset those roster improvements. So it's unlikely that Taves is going to duplicate those numbers, but it's encouraging to see that he's still capable of an offensive season like that. With the additions of Andrew Shaw and Zach Smith, both guys that can win face-offs that are right-handed, they could take some of the penalty kill pressure away from Jonathan Taves, and that could benefit his offensive game. If he can stay in the 70-plus point range, I think the Hawks will be fine. The second key is continued growth from Alex DeBrinkett and Dylan Strom. DeBrinkett, who just signed a three-year contract extension, is coming off a 41-goal sophomore season. He's 21 years old. To say he could score 50 goals is not a stretch. He was impressive last season, but there were some times where he would go through some extended goldist streaks. With the Blackhawks added depth offensively, he'll probably find himself skating with better players more consistently. He will start the season with Dylan Strom as his center. Those two are best friends off the ice. They found immediate chemistry on the ice, so I would expect those two to be paired together early. And speaking of Strom, when the Hawks got him from Arizona last season for Nick Schmaltz, he immediately started contributing. In his 58 games with the Blackhawks, he had 51 points. If he matches that pace, 
this season, that'd give him 72 points in 82 games. That means the Hawks would have at least four forwards, Taves, Kane, DeBrinkett, and Strom, capable of 70-plus point seasons. It's hard to imagine a team with that much forward depth missing the playoffs. The next key is improving the defense, and to me, this is the biggest one. The Hawks' defense can't be worse than they were last year, can they? They were horrible. They had the worst penalty kill in the league, only stopping 72% of the power plays they faced. They allowed three and a half goals per game. For reference, the Lightning had the league's best offense. They scored 3.89 goals per game. There's no way the Hawks' defense will be as bad as it was last season. They added two veteran, steady defensemen in Oli Mata and Calvin DeHaan. And while Mata's coming off a down season with the Penguins, he's won two Stanley Cups and he's only 25 years old, I think that his best years are likely still ahead of him. As far as DeHaan goes, he's a traditional stay-at-home defenseman. He'll bring stability and leadership, and he can play all situations. I don't expect him to get a lot of power play time, but he should get some. Uh, So once Calvin DeHaan is healthy, he should plug right into the lineup and contribute. Now, the other keys to me, Kirby Dock and Adam Boquist, the two Hawks' top prospects. Both those guys, in my opinion, should be on the roster to start the season. Boquist will begin the year down in Rockford where he can hone his defensive game a little bit. Kirby Dock is either going to play in Chicago or in Saskatoon. There's no AHL for him because of the agreement the NHL and CHL have together, so the Hawks cannot send him to Rockford. So once he's finally healthy, he's going to get a look at the NHL level. They need both those guys to contribute probably for more than half of this NHL season. They also need a depth winger to emerge. Alex Nylander scored the Hawks' first goal of the season. That's an encouraging start. Dominic Kubelik was one of their better forwards throughout the preseason and has shown that he belongs at the NHL level. Nylander's got a higher ceiling, but a lower floor. Kubelik's got a lower ceiling, but he probably won't bottom out as much as Nylander could. Nylander could still be a bust. There's still that possibility that Alex Nylander is a bust, but uh, after one game the Blackhawks have played so far, he looks pretty good, and he started the season on the top line, so that has to be encouraging for people watching the Hawks. Whatever happens, it's going to be a really exciting season. My name's Jay Zawoski. I am the host of Lockdown Blackhawks on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.